Welcome to the Legal One podcast, brought to you by Legal One, the leader in school law training in the state of New Jersey. Legal One is part of the NJPSA and FEA family, so we are thrilled to be offering this podcast to you as a way to help you gain a greater understanding of critical legal issues. We want to provide you with convenient, easy access to essential information. Each episode is 30 minutes or less, so it provides a timely way for you to get information. In each episode, we're going to be reviewing critical legal principles based on case law, statute, regulation, or other key guidance. We'll talk about why that issue matters today and how the law has evolved. We'll talk about key steps in working with parents and other critical stakeholders to positively address the issues in question. And we'll give you more information. We'll give you resources so that you can access online courses and other events and know how to get a greater level of understanding of these issues. So let's get started. And thank you so much for joining us for the Legal One podcast. Welcome to the Legal One podcast. My name is David Nash. I'm the director of Legal One program. Today's program is part of a series on addressing staff mental health needs. This series is intended to build upon a prior episode that originally aired on August 16th of this year, addressing staff mental health needs. The series is made possible thanks to the Legal One partnership with the New Jersey Schools Insurance Group, which represents most school districts in New Jersey, and Arthur J. Gallagher, which has grown to be one of the leading insurance brokerage, risk management, HR, and benefits consulting companies in the world and works with a number of New Jersey school districts as part of their work with New Jersey Schools Insurance Group. Of course, our podcast is also made possible thanks to our ongoing partnership with New Jersey PTA. In this episode, we will focus on potential scenarios that could arise related to staff mental health and key protocols to address those issues, the role of key players in addressing staff mental health, including the school board, superintendent, Director of Human Resources, Affirmative Action Officer, and others, and key steps that should be taken at the beginning of the school year to set the proper tone in addressing staff mental health. This episode builds on the September 6, 2021 episode of our podcast, which addressed proactively dealing with staff mental health. We're very excited to have with us two wonderful guests today for this important conversation. I have with me Sue Coyle, who currently serves as the Middlesex County Traumatic Loss Coalition Coordinator. The Traumatic Loss Coalition is in every county in the state of New Jersey and works under Rutgers University Behavioral Healthcare and provides tremendous ongoing support for school districts across the state of New Jersey when we have individuals in those districts dealing with traumatic situations. Sue comes to today's conversation with a wealth of prior experience having worked in school districts as a special education teacher, as a counselor, as a student assistance coordinator, as a supervisor, and just brings incredible insight from all of those perspectives. We also have with us today Rebecca Gold. Uh, Rebecca currently works as a Legal One consultant, and we are very excited that she is also now the Assistant Director of Retirement and Benefit Services for the New Jersey Principals and Supervisors Association. Uh, Rebecca also comes to today's conversation with a wealth of prior experience, having served for many years as a Director of Human Resources for two different school districts, and having served in other key administrative roles uh, throughout her distinguished career. So Rebecca, let me uh, give you an all too common scenario and have you react to this. You're an assistant principal in a school. You have a million things, of course, on your plate and responsibilities. 
you're sitting in your office um, dealing with one of those many responsibilities and teacher walks by, pops their head into the office and says, I don't think I can take much more today. You know, I'm just telling you I need to vent, but don't do anything about this. I just need to vent to you. Now the assistant principal has heard that, staff member uh, popped their head in, they've left, and what are the potential legal ramifications of what that assistant principal just heard? And what are some of the things you might think about doing? The first thing, the option that we need to know is that once you know, you know, okay? So absolutely, once that person has told you that, even though it's an informal format, even though they pop their head in, that is the equivalent of saying, I need help. The level of help we can determine, but obviously it could be a one day thing and they just had a very rough day. It could be ongoing, but that person has said to you in no uncertain terms, I need help. You cannot ignore it. You cannot ignore it on many levels. Obviously the legal level, but there's also compassion and empathy. That person is a staff member. They affect 25 to 30 kids a day. If they're in a high school, that can be 150 kids. And they're saying, I can't deal, I need help. First thing I would do is write it up as the vice principal in my file, not in a personnel file, to just say they pop their head in, this is what they said. Next thing I would do is lean on my support people who have knowledge and are gifted in this area, our guidance counselors, our nurses, and say, pop in, pass by, see what's going on, see how everything's doing, and then even sit down and speak to the person and say, you okay, everything okay, you wanna talk about something, what's going on? Because we have to determine if it's just somebody who is frustrated at the end of a day based on a busy school day that we all have, or if something is underlying and wrong and we wanna make sure we catch it early so there's no harm to the person or anybody around the person. Then after I would have them pop in, I would have an interactive meeting and sit down with them and say, you know, you popped in, this is my follow-up meeting, tell me what's going on. And I would assess at that point, I would also have either the, um, the if I'm the vice principal, the principal sitting in with me, the 504 person, I would have another person. I would also ask the person if they wanted a union rep with them because the union is the key to the employee assistance program. And more importantly, I don't want the person to think that they're in trouble or that we're trying to do something to write them up or get them in trouble because they said that. The first reaction would probably be, no, 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 I was just venting. But then we can say, okay, but do you need any help? And the unions here, we have all kinds of safeguards. Having a union person, president, vice president, but a union rep there reassures the staff member that their job is okay and they're okay that the district is trying to help them. You never want to get down to the point where they don't trust you either, because at this point you need to look inside that person's day and see if this is all, again, simple routine betting or something's really wrong. And I would follow that based after on that meeting. Is there something we can do to help? Is there a reasonable accommodation based on what you're telling us? It may be, you know what, during my duty period, I would like to be able to go to the faculty room and just get organized and maybe for a couple of weeks not be on call. 
because once I'm on call, this gets me even crazier. So that's something that maybe we can do that's reasonable. It's something that maybe the building can do to give the person a little more time to adjust to the things that they are feeling overwhelmed by. Then if we see that they can't, then of course, we have certainly there are policies for examination with cause where um, if the person denies it or the person is in denial and says, no, 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 don't even think I said anything. Don't worry about it. Well, then we may say, you know what? You need to go and make sure that everything's okay. And we need to hear from the doctor saying you're fine. Or we have a district policy 3161, 4161 um, under some of uh, our groups use Strauss Esme and have all these policies. You have them no matter what. And we may want to have an examination for cause with a doctor. You know what? We just want to make sure you're okay. I will caution that because of confidentiality, I am always very concerned, and we do this with our kids, with other things, to not tell the family yet at that point because the family situation can make it worse. They may have an abusive situation at home where the partner or the husband, the spouse, whatever is saying, you need to go to work. We need the money and that's it. Don't tell me you're not going to work. Now, all of a sudden, trying to help somebody, you've opened it up and sent them home to a worse environment to make them even possibly um, not feeling as comfortable in this situation. So confidentiality, reaching out for help, writing things up, reasonable accommodations, reasonable accommodations for the district. Maybe a little more time during the day, maybe not an assignment on in the lunchroom, maybe not an assignment in recess, would help them get a little bit more focused on what they're doing. I think it would be a good time for other people to, if they're due for an observation, possibly get it done by another person. So we have a group of people assessing. You know what, I went in, the lesson was fine, everything was great. It's just that they're vetting. So that's a very long answer, Dave, but um, there's a lot we can do to help people before we jump from one to 10 and miss that valley of help that we can use. Yeah, what I would add to that is when you talked about having a, um, a doctor evaluate when you're trying to determine accommodations is really make sure that there's a thorough understanding between you and the educator that the purpose of this is to determine, you know, it's confidential, like you said, but you want them to help you to determine what is gonna help support you in school. It's the purpose of this is not to impact your being able to you know, continue in school or you know, get you into some kind of trouble, that it's purely for the purpose of evaluating what would work in the way of accommodations. Right, and that's A, the reason that you always want to have that union person there because that does reassure. And even more important, as you are mentioning, the 504 process allows and asks for a doctor's note of what the problem is. So you may not have to ask for an examination. You may just need a doctor's note that says, this is what you know this person needs if it's reasonable. Those two safeguards are there and you're a million percent correct. You wanna make sure that you don't make the situation worse and give them more stress, but to reassure them of all the wonderful things that are in place to help them. As part of this series, we are also going to be doing an episode that talks about some strategies for self-care. 
But Sue, can you talk a little bit about the value of providing professional learning for staff members on self-care and some simple strategies that can be incredibly helpful in many cases when we are dealing with stressful and difficult situations? Sure, David. You know, and I've been in communication throughout the state with many different educational leaders, as well as those that work in, in mental health type fields in the schools. And there's, there's a lot of good learning that has come in the last year and a half. Some of the things that are really beneficial is promoting employee support groups. I've seen those popping up in districts all across the state. Some of them are led by the school leader, but most of them have come out of the employees themselves, but doing things to make those easy to happen and facilitate that for um, the time to do that for staff in the place. Revisiting expectations and priorities regarding accountability for student achievement. There's many, many questions and concerns that teachers have about how, how they're going to be evaluated based on all the challenges that they've been dealing with, you know, teaching virtually or ping-ponging back and forth or doing hybrid. So in light of all those additional challenges, teachers have a lot of worries about how that's going to impact their evaluation. Also, just simply encouraging connections among staff. The research is tremendous about the benefits of when there's any kind of stressful or traumatizing situations. One of the key benefits of just people being able to connect with one another. So anything that you can do to facilitate better connections among staff. And then, um, you know, practices that have been beneficial that I've heard from school leaders as well as staff is when principals and other school leaders have check-ins with staff, especially as when there's transitions between virtual and our hybrid or brick and mortar, checking in with individual staff members and starting with those staff members that you know might be more fragile or sensitive or need some more handheld holding. Encouraging help seeking, so providing lots of information if you have an EAP program, and don't just to make it one and done. Do it um, repeatedly in many ways, reminding staff that there's that resource or other types of resource. Reminding people about NJEA aid. If you don't have an EAP program, that's a hotline that's provided by NJEA that teachers and other staff can access to get advice and referrals on mental health services and just keeping an eye out on people in general and being visible and being open. And, you know, Rebecca started by talking about that, by, by having, you know, being compassionate and empathetic um, and making sure that you're communicating that. Thank you for that, Sue. Um, Rebecca, let me ask you sort of a, a bottom line question. Um, what do we say to our superintendents and to our business administrators who say, of course, these issues are important, but we have very limited time, we have very limited resources, and we have so many academic needs and other requirements that we have to address that that's where our priority needs to go. There are two things that we should be thinking of when we're making these decisions. First of all, it's much easier to pay upfront for a PD session that would cost maybe a couple of hundred dollars for an entire staff than to try to find a sub at $90, $125 a day, let's say, when the staff member goes out and is out for a long time. So that's money, if we're gonna talk budget, 
it's like preventative medicine, okay? It's better to be prepared and have the services taken care of before than to go afterwards when we're trying to get staff, things like that. There's continuity of learning, there's continuity of to many of our families, our students, and even our staff. The school is their safe place for the day. It's where they, the kids eat. It's where they get their only form of, this is how things work, this is fine, and things are not chaotic, things are wonderful. So that's something that we owe our communities, we owe our kids, and we owe our staff. And so we have to do that. I would also say that a lot of the things that Sue and I spoke of are really not costly. They're free. Okay, when you go send an employee or sit with them and try to help them or send them to an employee assistance program, then at that point, you're giving them ways to deal with things that don't directly affect the school budget at that moment. And most importantly, and this is, is, is just something that we have to think about, we have to let our people know that they're not alone. Okay, that everybody is struggling through this at different levels. And I think when people know that they're not alone and they're not the only person, they're more open to getting the help and get helping us all get back to what is no normal anymore, but certainly what our school should be, what their life should be. And I do think I would say to um, a BA or a superintendent to be visionary and to realize that the impact is not just a budget line, it's about life, it's about what we do as a um, organization. And again, a lot of these things are not something that is totally costly or something that will set us back. In a long run, having a safe place where people feel comfortable, where people feel they can come to work, do their job where kids feel safe and they know that their teachers are teaching and that they're comfortable there. In reality, there's no price on that. That's priceless. And if it means us laying out some money, so be it, but you can't have academic success if you don't have mental health success. You can't have a school district running well, having kids being tested and everything going on if we don't address what's underlying through all of this. And again, it's the right thing to do. So thank you for that, Rebecca. Let me ask you, Sue, for any final thoughts as we uh, wrap up today's discussion about the importance of setting the right tone as a district when we're uh, talking about issues of staff mental health and some of the steps that we want to think about at the very start of a school year? It's very important to recognize the potential for that you've got staff, not just the potential, but the likelihood that you have staff that have experienced losses or other types of very debilitating stressors that could be financial, medical, um, you know, or mental health issues. And, you know, establishing supports to address those kinds of things and the kind of secondary, recognizing that, that teachers are going to be dealing with secondary trauma that I spoke about earlier and keeping that in mind. So that you create a culture that promotes self-care and appreciates taking care of one of another because teachers have been under the gun pre-pandemic, you know, for, for a lot of accountability, you know, and that whole concept of self-care and, and not being workaholics and all of that and not caring for your own self 
kind of went out the window for a while. So it, that's one of the, the benefits of what has happened during the pandemic. One of the positives we can look at is, is that it's taught us the importance of taking care of people's emotional well-being. Um, and then finally, um, making sure that um, you have identified what are the community supports for staff? What are the, the mental health agencies um, and the other types of support agencies that um, you can use to refer staff to as well beyond EAPs and, and such? So I want to thank both of our guests for uh, the wonderful insights today as we're talking about these incredibly important issues that have always been important. But given the world events that we are struggling through now, it is even more important that we proactively address staff mental health. Today's episode, of course, is made possible because of the ongoing partnerships that we have. So we do encourage you uh, to look for additional information uh, from our partners uh, for those who are interested in learning more about the New Jersey Schools Insurance Group. We encourage you to go to their website at www.njsig.org. For those who are interested in more information regarding Arthur J. Gallagher, we encourage you to review Arthur J. Gallagher's website as well at www.ajg.com. We, of course, also encourage you to go to the New Jersey PTA website at www.njpta.org and to review our website at Legal One at www.njpsa.org slash Legal One NJ. Thank you all for the incredible work that you're doing in our schools every day. Be safe, be well, and we look forward to having you on a future episode for the Legal One podcast. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like more information on the topics we covered, a full list of episodes, or a preview of upcoming topics, please visit our website at www.njpsa.org legal1nj.